Stevenson to the outside. They score! From the left wing circle, Jack Eichel makes it 2-0 Vegas. Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Carlson for Stone in front. He scores! Five two nights. Mark Stone, two goals, one assist, three points. From the Finlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Misfit mania in Edmonton to close out the Oilers in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Golden Knights are moving on. Welcome in. Sticks down. Drop the puck. Let's go. Hour number two. Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman back in the fold. Pressing all those buttons as the Golden Knights advance to the Stanley Cup semifinals, in a way, or the Western Conference Final in official terms, is the way the National Hockey League presents itself. And they will play for the Clarence Campbell Bowl against either the Dallas Stars mm-hmm. or the Seattle Kraken, which are about to drop the puck in Game 7 of that second-round series right now. Who would have thought, right? The Seattle Kraken just will not go away. The Dallas Stars are where I expected them to be, though I didn't expect this to be a seven-game series between Seattle and Dallas. I'm interested to see how Jake Ottinger responds in tonight's game, and uh, I don't have, to be honest, a rooting interest. I think either team would be really fun in the Western Conference Final there's tons of storylines on both sides, so it'd be it'd be fantastic whatever the direction it ends up going. There's connections to both. Yeah. Dallas, the head coach. Yep. Dallas meeting in the third round a couple of years ago in the bubble. Yep. And Seattle, the winter classic next year. Yep. A couple of opponents facing each other potentially in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And the thirty first and the thirty second. Mm-hmm. NHL teams Yep, in the second year of existence for the Kraken, the sixth season for the Vegas Golden Knights. If that happens, and I'm with you, it doesn't bother me either way. There's mm-hmm. great storylines that, uh, that we can navigate and really chew on. But if it is Seattle against Vegas for the right to go to the Stanley Cup final, mm-hmm. Toronto may implode. <laughs> That's like as an agent of chaos, there's a lot kind of pulling me to the Seattle side of things, but I'm also sitting here being objectively okay with any outcome that comes out of tonight's game seven, but you're right on the money. Like if it's Seattle, I I really feel badly for every single Toronto Maple Leaf fan, every single one of them. Canada as a whole, eh. but Toronto right there. Yeah, it's rough. Given what they just experienced in falling in the second round and going out meekly against the Florida Panthers. Having the 31st and the 32nd franchises meet for the right to go to the Stanley Cup final Mm -hmm. when a Canadian team has not won the Stanley Cup, this will now be 30 years. Okay, but counterpoint, the Oilers were in the Western Conference final last year. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, listen, they had an opportunity in front of them, and they didn't do very much with it. Well, here's the other counterpoint. How many Olympic gold medals has Canada won in hockey in those 30 years? In those 30 years? Yes. Well, not 94, uh, not 98, uh, 2002, 
and 2010, 2003. So I don't, I don't feel bad for them at all. No, sorry. Three medals versus wow. like twenty nine. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. Stanley Cups. Yes, yes. That evens <laughs> That's out a little equal bit. Footing? Yes, what are you yes. Talking about. <laughs> hey, and 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 the other aspect of it is a Canadian player is always winning the Stanley Cup. So yes. it's not. So I mean, I know. Yeah. So. You're Canadian. Does all Canadian. does all of Canada root for the final remaining Canadian team? Uh, by and large, there's there's exceptions who? to the rule. What are the exceptions? But if it's well, Toronto hasn't been there. But if it was Toronto, <laughs> yeah, you would get that. Uh, Calgary, mm-hmm. you would get that. Mm-hmm. Edmonton, you would get that. Uh, Ottawa uh, in 2007. Uh, yes, 2006 was was Edmonton against Carolina. You got that. Uh, 2011, it did not happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it, it, Canada was not united in 2011 behind the one Canadian team left that got to the Stanley Cup final. That did not happen. Uh, Why? But Can- Why Canada does everybody did, dislike those guys? Did, Canada did very no, much cheer for the Boston Bruins. <laughs> yes. Tim Thomas and Shane Knighty uh, against the Vancouver Canucks. Boston was Canada's team. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's uh, terrible. America's team, Canada's team, the world's team. Yeah. Uh, and I covered a lot of those uh, those series. I was I was in Anaheim for the Ottawa series, all those series. And there was a, a bond <laughs> around the, the Canadian teams, uh, a show of support by, by the home and native land, except for when it was Vancouver. That was not a very likable group. <laughs> and and that was the Vancouver Canucks team that had the Sedins. Yeah. Two of the most humble, beautiful, wonderful people right. this planet has ever seen, never mind hockey players. Mm-hmm. They don't have a controversial bone in their body. And that team was still unlikable <laughs> with with what they had to offer uh, with the different personnel that they, they produced. Alex Burroughs would, would be right yeah. in center uh, in that. Uh, Luongo was the star goaltender. Bieksa was the defenseman yeah. on that team, I believe. My favorite Stanley Cup final. Rafi Torres was on that team. In, in quite a while. It was, it was so good. Yeah. So good. I just like it because my buddy got a ring out of it. There it is. Knights uh, got that ring. And now the Vegas Golden Knights will be playing for a second uh, Clarence Campbell Bowl, Mm -hmm. the Campbell Conference Trophy uh, for Emblematic that's always presented to the Western Conference winner, except for in the bubble. They just Mm -hmm. split it in half and said, okay, you do this and you do that. Uh, uh, That was the year that Vegas played Montreal in a a crossover uh, because of uh, all that situation. So... um, uh, that was the shortened season, right? That was yes. not the bubble season. That was a shortened season where they, they divided up the trophies. Uh, this this idea that Vegas was only going to be able to stay with the Edmonton Oilers if they had some kind of ratio of power play goals mm-hmm. to the Oilers' execution with the man advantage. Mm-hmm. Going into the series, we were... 50%. Yeah, more or less. Basically, 50% minimum. Mm-hmm. You'd love to be 60. Yeah. How did that play out? Well, I'm well, just, I thought it was important to revisit it. Sure. Now, they sawed off game number one. Mm-hmm. Both teams had two power play goals. Yep. Edmonton ends up scoring nine power play goals in the six games. That's incredible mm-hmm. production. Yeah. Vegas comes back with two. So it's four to nine. Mm-hmm. That's slightly below 50%. Yeah. But it was in the vicinity. 
we we missed it, but not by a lot. No. Which is really important. Those those two that they did score to push it to four in, mm-hmm. in game number five, crucial on yeah. the five on three and the five on four. Yeah. It it helped win them game. You could you could argue both sides of it. The power play won them that game. Or the penalty kill won them that game. Mm-hmm. I, I put it to Bruce Cassidy, and he said special teams. But yeah. uh, I, I could be sold that uh, crazy enough that a power play that went over three in the first period in game five won them the game, <laughs> and a penalty kill that allowed in the series nine goals mm-hmm. won them the game in a kill that they ended up allowing a goal against in the five minute major. Edmonton did score one goal, mm-hmm. but the the power play as a whole, we said. Vegas really had to to be halfway yep. to what to what Edmonton served up. Ended up being slightly below that four to the nine. Well, and you know, to a degree, I I feel like that ratio seemed correct going into the series be, because I expected Edmonton to score at five on five. I, I expected the Oilers to not have not have as as prolific a time at five on five, but to score. Enough to where you're you're asking Vegas to to potentially outscore you two to one five on five and or three to one five on five and I I just you know the Edmonton Oilers got a lot of juice out of their power play and the Golden Knights in the wins and that's the other thing right they get power play goals in two of their wins mm-hmm. and that was one of those things where you know you look at it after game one you saw off the power play for the Edmonton Oilers. Can't hurt you anymore in that game. So you you get out of that one. In the same way that the power play helps them in game number five, it, it leads to a win. It leads to the ability to go into Edmonton and close it out in game six. Like I think the timeliness of the goals for the Golden Knights may be more important than the total number um, just because they came in games where they needed those goals to help them win. I mentioned the power play and how leaning on it can bite you mm-hmm. through no fault of your own, through zero Fault of your own, whether your power play is good, bad, or indifferent. Mm-hmm. But let's let's look at the Oilers. They got the world's best power play, and it hurt them in game three because they only got two man advantage opportunities. Yep. yep. That hurts you. Mm-hmm. The, you can have the world's greatest power play. If you don't get the chances, it's not going to help you. Yeah. And that's in the hands of the referees. Mm-hmm. It hurts them in game six. They only get two. Mm-hmm. That's in the hands of the referees. So the, their power play was exceptional, but in a couple of crucial games, they weren't able to take advantage of it because they didn't get the advantage opportunities. Yeah. You're still playing with fire. Every they, time. Three power plays opportunities in game one. Six in game two. Seven in game Four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Four in game five. Including a five-minute major. So who... It's hard to say the Oilers' power play didn't come through. Mm-hmm. But you could find cases where it could have been better. Like, nine for 24 is nowhere close to the 60% coming into the series. Right. Right. And And I think that's where the Golden Knights win. Right, like that's where you look at the Edmonton Oilers' power play as potentially letting them down. You're never going to expect them to keep up sixty-ish percent, fifty-eight percent, whatever it was coming into the se- into the series throughout the entirety of the playoffs. 
But for an Edmonton Oilers team that was really cooking and cooking early in this series on the power play, you look at those 0-for-2s, you, you kind of expect mm-hmm. a goal, at least one goal, one goal out of two, right? And so you look at you look at those games, how might a, a power play goal have impacted uh, game four? How might a power play goal have impacted game number six? Like, those are missed opportunities by that prolific power play. So five on five. Let's get to that now. Okay. If if Edmonton doesn't win the series with their power play, mm-hmm. that was really good. Yeah. That speaks to Vegas taking advantage of five on five. Mm-hmm. Depth, 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 depth. Yes. And using that depth. During the season, Vegas was 11th in five-on-five five goals for and against. Mm-hmm. There's some weird ratio in the National Hockey League. I'm just going to give you basic things. <laughs> Vegas was 11th in the National Hockey League in five-on-five. Five. Mm-hmm. Edmonton was 12th. Virtually the same. Virtually identical. So if if you go into the series and you look at they're the same five-on-five, five, mm-hmm. but Edmonton has the world's best power play, mm-hmm. Edmonton should win. Sure. Power play was good, mm-hmm. but head-to-head, five-on-five, Vegas won the series based on being great at even strength. Right. Vegas right now is the best team in the National Hockey League Stanley Cup playoffs at five-on-five, five. Mm-hmm. and Edmonton is 10th. Mm-hmm. There you go. We talk about it a lot, but the numbers do spell out that at even strength, five on five, mm-hmm. Vegas is the best team in the National Hockey League Stanley Cup playoffs right now. And head to head, when you're playing everybody else, they were virtually identical mm-hmm. over the 82 games. But head to head, Vegas dominated. Yeah, they they absolutely did. And you know, you you kind of you look at a lot of different directions, and and you look at we we just kind of talked about depth, right? But you look at the Golden Knights down in the middle. You've got. Jack Eichel and Chandler Stevenson and William Carlson and you know Nick Watt times Teddy Bluger comes in. There's there's so much responsibility, so much understanding, and as as Darren Elliott pointed out, so much buying into the role that's defined for you. And I think for the Golden Knights, when you have the ability to kind of dig into that over the course of a seven game series, you start to figure out where you can kind of take things away. And the Golden Knights figured out the Edmonton Oilers. My favorite part about last night, the jumping on the bench. <laughs> Jumping up and down, hugging yeah, each other yeah. on the bench. I'll never get tired <laughs> of that type of reaction from grown men. Yeah. And you, you don't see it in football. You don't see it in basketball. This just unbridled mm-hmm. show of emotion on the bench. We, we're used to it with Mark Stone, mm-hmm. but having those guys just jump up and down like little kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gives me goosebumps. It's. The coolest thing, it really is, and and it's something that when you know when you look at what Chapman and I have been able to see from day one, we've gotten to see that quite a bit here. It's awesome, fun stuff. Uh, let's go back to last night and bring in Bruce Cassidy, uh, who spoke to the media following the victory over the Edmonton Oilers, and this was a situation where Bruce did make adjustments throughout the series, tactically, and with his lineup during the course of the series, and had a couple forced on him with the goaltender and with Alex Petrangelo being put uh, put out of the lineup for game number five and then reinserted in game six. Here is Bruce Cassidy following the 
elimination of the Edmonton Oilers? Well, I got to tell you, it was a little, a lot of swings, right? And sometimes you look at your own team and go, but, you know, you know, how come we weren't better? Like in the, in the response games, right? Like today we finally won after a win, but the previous two times. So sometimes you're on your own team and, and, and you don't, you think, got to think about the other team, right? They got some pretty good players too, right? So give them credit because uh, they respond. So you don't want to get too down on your team, just build off the things that maybe they were doing to beat you. So I thought we did that well, even though we lost and tried to build that into our, you know, our approach to the next game. So that's where I thought we got better, um, learning from what they were doing well. And then at the end of the day, the players go out, and you need timely goals and timely saves, and I think that was the difference tonight. We, we, we got our share. Jonathan Marcheseau made some timely goals. He's done that for six years here. Um, I'm curious, as you've gotten to know him over the year, coaching him, seeing him every day, is there anything about him or the way he prepares that, allows him to come up in these big moments regularly well I'm learning that right that's what you know we get behind closed doors after that okay you know there's Marshy again well I, I don't know the entire history I mean I, I you know I, I delved into it and read up on it but I haven't seen it with my own eyes and I think Marshy his game is about halfway through the playoffs realized that it's not just going to be on a tee for him so to speak those type of goals or odd man rushes he have to get inside and so he does up here, I think it was game, you lose track, right? Maybe it was game three, right? He goes inside, drives the net, Jack finds him, hangs around the front of the net. Tonight, how does he score again? Hangs around the front of the net. So Marshy's learned that now. And he had a couple chances before that uh, as well. So now he's mixing his chances on going to the front of the net. On the power play, we've moved him to an elbow. We're, we're trying to get the puck to him, so he's getting a lot more shot, you know, looks. So I think that makes goal scorers, they, they start feeling a little bit the more reps they get. So... Uh, that's the one switch we made to try to get him going. Uh, he's done a good job with it. And I think Jack will find and Barbie are good compliments for, for him. So when they're on, uh, they're dangerous because all three, I think, have different elements to their game that uh, can hurt you. So good for him. Um, we're going to have to hear it for about the next four or five days. And for, that's the unfortunate part, but we'll live with that. <clears throat> and you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you, to, to kind of build off of the first question, um, it seemed at five on five like you got better at defending them as the series went on. That was kind of the, the case in the first round. What do you think it says about the overall like IQ of the team that they pick up on things and, and learn? Well, we don't win if we don't defend well, right? And, and, and listen, no one game did we defend perfectly. You saw pockets of it. First period, we were kind of got sucked into their game a little bit more than we'd like. So the second period, we got more to our game make them go 200 feet, no easy chances. Um, don't lose people all over the ice when it's unnecessary. And, and then the third period now, after that, I think the first time out, they really pushed hard and we were able to get the big saves, right? You need that too, right? You're not winning without those. So, But I do believe we're, we value defending and we talked about that in training camp that I don't think you can win this time of year. You need to score. It's, it's, it's not the old NHL where it's 2-1 or 3-2. I mean, you need to score to win, but the defending part is, is key. And we've built in how we want to do it. And uh, I credit the guys for believing in it. And they've tried to play that way all year. We've done it with a number of different goalies. And here's another one, right? And good for Aiden. I mean, he was, boy, he was a wall at the end. Um, so give him credit too. Your any time your your goalie makes saves, you're, you always look like you defend well, right, and better. And the opposite is true too. But I think in general we do we take a lot of pride in that. Bruce, playing off that, just 
about Aiden Hill, did considering everything, did you get more out of him in this series than maybe you even expected you would? Well, that's a good question, Janet, because he's never played playoff hockey, so you got nothing to go on. Um, he's played well for us all year, and, and a lot of it has to do with um, – he makes the saves he's supposed to, right? So we're not hanging him out to dry most nights saying, hey, go win us a game. We're just going to trade chances. So, And when we play that type of game, I think he gives us a real good chance. He's a lot like LB that way. and But you don't know. and So I'm not going to say yes or no to that question, but you don't know. So I will say that. And he stepped up. And, and you're not advancing without that. Like, you know, you need goaltending. And uh, it's been a good story for us this year. No matter who's gone in there, and good for Aiden. Like he's a young guy that wants to establish himself full time in the league, and the opportunity comes, and he was ready. That's the part I'm impressed by, is he was ready to play to go into a really difficult atmosphere against the top scoring team in the National Hockey League. So, and he was ready, and that's a credit to that guy and and, and Sean Burke for keeping him ready. <clears throat> uh, Bruce, back right over here. Um, Jack was all over the place tonight. What did you like uh, from his game? Well, everything. I think Jack is fully invested defensively and has been since October. Um, he wants the puck and he wants to make plays. Face-offs, we've asked him, you know, you may have to dig in against top guys, and, and, he, and he's willing to do that. He blocked a big shot in the PK the other night, so now, you know, like if he's asked to do that as well. The guy wants to win. He wants to be part of a winning team and a winning culture, and, and he's doing that, just doing his part. He's not asked to carry the team on his back. Nobody is in our team, and I think that's, you know, was part of the story here is the team that plays the best usually wins. Now, you can debate it, and you know, who played better, but we feel our team outplayed their team. It wasn't about this player against this player or this goalie against this goalie, and Jack was a part of that. He has to be one of the guys that plays well, him and the Mark Stones and the Stevies guys we rely on, and uh, Aiden Hill now, right? So, and we got that. I thought Petrangelo was very good for us and you know you obviously got the suspension but played well for us Nick Hag and White Cloud now they're, they're, they've been in the league but I think they're you know a little they were ahead of where maybe their fifth and sixth defensemen were because they've been in the league so th that's what makes us the better team we hope that we use everybody and again that's always open to debate but that's how we felt going in that we had to be we had to play like the better team and and we did and Jack was a big part of that but not the whole part right but but big part <clears throat> Sorry, I'm going to ask about player against player too, though. But uh, it seemed like they were using McDavid trying to stay away from Carlson quite a bit. Like, how does that speak to Carlson just in this series? Well, that tells you what they think of William Carlson. I don't even have to say anymore, right? I mean, they're trying to take away like like the best player in hockey against our guy. You know, that that's what they. I assume they think. I I'm, I can't speak for them. I just know that we we like William in that matchup. But we were comfortable with other guys. We, we had Teddy Bluger out there. Teddy Bluger, man, like this guy knows how to check and defend. And he's a very, very valuable guy when you have the lead. And, and so he's helped us, even though he's probably under the radar guy. So if they got away from William, which they tried to do, um, some ozone draws, that surprised me a little bit, but they tried to get away from him. Then Teddy would come next a lot of times and know what his role was. <clears throat> Bruce right here. Yeah. You guys were able to kill the one uh, power play that Edmonton had, um, and you guys got some power, uh, some power play goals in game five. Just talk about the improvement of special teams in the last two games. Well, we stayed out of the box tonight, and that's why we didn't have to kill that many. They still had their chances around the net. Their adjustment was they were going to play a little lower against us. So, 
the other night they got three in the power play, so it's hard, you know, like, like it's, I mean, they executed well. We just thought, I guess when we left the building after game five, we thought, okay, we blocked a shot in the slot and went right to Connor and he buries it bar down, right? So it was a bit of a, like we did the things we were supposed to do. They got the fortunate break on that and found, they found the puck. And the next one goes in off Hyman. I think it hit his leg and went in. So we feel, again, we got the save we wanted around the net and it went in. So we weren't going to beat our guys up because, you know, they were, they earned their goals by going to the net, but, you know, they weren't the tap-ins that maybe the first game happened as we went along. We, you know, make them earn it around there. Last one's Connor just being Connor, right, the other night going around us. But in general, we felt our plan was starting to be better. Uh, even though the numbers might not back up that story, I think in our locker room we felt okay. It's it's you know we're not as mesmerized as we were early on, and so credit to John Stevens, he he, he runs the PK. Credit to the guys to buying in, and we kind of switched a few things along the way, and and like I said, made our guys feel better about it, even though maybe the numbers don't back that up. Like I said. If everybody's got a book on everybody, how are you going to watch Game Seven of Seattle Dallas tomorrow night? Uh, I think Shannon and Cole both have hockey, Dan, at uh, 6 and 7.30, so I'll be watching hockey practice. I'm sure they'll have the game on, um, so I have to watch it, right? But at the end of the day, we tape all that, so I'll do it later. I'll do it another time. Uh, you know, I'll enjoy a little checking out, I guess, mentally for a day and then right back to work. Good on you. If we're over at uh, Lifeguard Arena, give him a pat in the back. Uh, <laughs> send over a beer or two. Uh, for him as he watches. Well, maybe not that, but uh, let him enjoy it uh, as he uh, decompresses following a victory over the Edmonton Oilers. And Bruce mentioned defending. Mm-hmm. Here's some more numbers from the series. Vegas, through the first two rounds, has averaged 3.73 goals per game. Mm-hmm. So just shy of four. That's more than Edmonton. That surprises me yeah. at first glance. Yeah. Knew it was close. Like Vegas scores a lot. But I guess the number is less grabbing as being ahead of Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And where where Vegas really so they're almost identical. They're they're third and fourth in the Stanley Cup playoffs for goals scored per game. Okay. Vegas third, Edmonton fourth. But where the separation really occurs is goals against. Vegas is fifth best mm-hmm. in the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. And Edmonton is near the bottom. Yeah. But I think that a lot of the questions, again, surrounding the Edmonton Oilers, um, maybe going into the playoffs, quieted a bit, maybe after uh, their series with L.A., but even then, L.A. scored. Um, it's not like you know, Stuart Skinner's numbers coming into this series were, were astronomical or or spectacular. Uh, the question with Edmonton, and one of the things you and I touched on when we were starting to think about what the playoffs were going to look like and what the outlook would be for the Golden Knights, who they'd match up against, who they'd play, I think everyone was pretty confident that Vegas would be able to score with Edmonton, that, that the you know the Oilers are going to score their goals, but they're not going to be able to keep the puck out of their own net, and... You know, we've got six games now to kind of prove that over the course of uh, the last round. I didn't think Skinner was terrible. I thought game one, he struggled. He looked shaky. But beyond that, I didn't think he was terrible. And I, getting pulled, I, I wouldn't have pulled him in game five. Yeah, that, I don't That, that, I, that, that I don't, was a momentum pull. And last night, I don't know how much that was. On, like, I, 
I don't think I actually thought he was better against Vegas than he was against LA. That's probably true. But I didn't expect Vegas to play two different goalies mm-hmm. because of injury mm-hmm. and outperform yeah. the Edmonton Oilers on the goaltending front. Mm-hmm. It wasn't close. If Vegas could hold their own on the goaltending side, this guy's a Skinner's rookie of the year candidate. Sure. Like, yeah. he, he, he's not going to win it. But uh, but he was right up right there. there. Yeah, right there. Uh, All-star. If you could hold serve, then you would be okay. Mm-hmm. But it it was way better. Aiden Hill in game four allows the three goals in the first period. Mm-hmm. It was rocks all the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, game five, really good. Made saves. Game, game six, he made the third period look Way easier than it was. Yeah, he was. There were so many chances where you see goaltenders look around because the puck's in the net Mm. and they're wondering what's happened. He made saves that you just don't make look that easy. Mm -hmm. That was really impressive. I I looked at my wife and said, "This is surreal. What he's doing right now Uh, against the second period, the Oilers threw a ton of pucks at the net." Mm And just tried to cause chaos that way. And in the in the third period, they made plays. Mm-hmm. And Aiden Hill won that, locked that game down. I'm not going to say he won the game for yeah, them, yeah. but he locked that game down for them in a fashion that I wasn't sure they were going to be able to do. Especially kind of juxtaposed with how the, the, the game started, allowing a goal on the first two shots of the game. Yeah. That That's one of those things that can easily rattle the goaltender. And I, easily? Try getting that in your head. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, I, I said to you, I, I didn't think that there was going to be a, a goaltending, stealing performance in this series, but that's probably the closest we had. Yep. From Aiden Hill, Absolutely. his ability to yep. shut the door after allowing those first he two goals. He locked it down. He locked it down, and it, it felt like the Oilers were not going to beat him again. It, it felt like in that moment, the Golden Knights just had to worry about getting a lead. So Connor McDavid walks out of the corner, flying, and <laughs> tries to slide it home. Mm-hmm. That's a really difficult save for yeah. a goaltender because you you got to slide to your right. This is uh, going left to right. And you can't open up the five hole because he's going to just slip it through there. But he's going so fast that he can wrap it around your far leg. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, he got aggressive with his stick and poked and made McDavid go farther. And I know all these technical little terms because I was talking to Freddie Brathwaite. Uh, we were texting back and forth during the, the course of that, mm-hmm. uh, talking about old man hips versus young guy hips <laughs> and how he could do that. And it was such an aggressive but controlled play mm-hmm. by Aiden Hill. I bet you half the guys get scored on five hole in that play. Yeah. Because they respect the speed too much and they open up. And he he was zoning last night. Yeah. That was being in the zone and so cool afterwards. So cool during. So cool before. So cool when he allowed the first two shots. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that's just who he is. And we've talked about it all season long. One right? day, and, one day I want to be like him. Yeah. Well, live, live in that world. I, I, no, not that, not the goaltending part. No, no, no. No, just no. the being able to just flow through life. Yeah, I don't know that you're ever going to get there. Just one day, I want to be able to just experience what that is like because that is otherworldly. It's not like that up in the cottage. 
No, you got to mow the lawn. I had a hurricane go through last year. I don't even want to know what's waiting for me up at PEI. Fiona. I'll never forget you, Fiona. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, there's I'm a, sorry. there's a, just a, a little bit of uh, analysis from what we saw last night. We've got uh, a few uh, days to go until we get back at it. I'll give you an idea of what to expect this week as the Golden Knights await their opponent in the Western Conference Final and a start date. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Carlson left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for one-timers. one-timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. All right, let's get into what we're looking forward to here as far as a matchup in the Western Conference Final. Vegas is in. We know three of the four conference finalists, Carolina and Dallas, will meet in the East. We don't know who the opponent is for Vegas. Dallas and Seattle are involved in Game 7 right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With an update, here's Ryan Wallace. Um, No score in the game. The Seattle Kraken head to the power play for the first time in the game with an opportunity to take a lead. Both goaltenders look like they're dialed in early, and uh, the Dallas Stars had a power play opportunity, but they were unable to solve Philip Grubauer. So exactly what we all expected, a tight opening 20-ish minutes of Seattle-Dallas. Do we have a preference? (laughs) Um, Listen, I don't want to even come on here and make it seem like there's at all a preference whatsoever on either side of the coin because we all saw how well that worked out for Toronto when they were chanting, we want Florida. So, and not that I would do that anyway, but the, the well, fact Vegas the has is, been on that path. Like a couple yeah, of years ago, Montreal yeah, yeah, looked like they were absolutely. ready to be taken. And- I don't think when you get to this point, any opponent should be taken lightly. I don't expect the Golden Knights are going to do that, whether it be Seattle, whether it be Dallas. I am an agent of chaos. We've talked about it. I, I think the the funniest outcome, just in terms of like every other fan base, and specifically Canadian fan bases, and more specifically the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, it would be the funniest thing in the world if it was Vegas and Seattle in the Western Conference Final. If Seattle wins, mm. they would advance, winning, surviving, Game 7 on the road in back-to-back series to yeah. start the playoffs. Yeah. I... When you win Game 7 in back-to-back series to start the playoffs, the chances of winning the Stanley Cup are very slim. Sure. Like, you just going that deep. Yeah. So maybe maybe that is one angle uh, that you can take. But the storylines are awesome. 31 versus 32. Yep. Talk like presidents, but they're National Hockey League teams uh, for franchises. And you've got uh, the Winter Classic. You've got Pete DeBoer. You've got the Dallas. There, there, there's a few different things uh, going on uh, through that uh that mix. As far as start dates, yeah. Now this is not official. This is just what I'm hearing. Okay. Uh, there was a report today that the East will begin on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I believe that to be the case. Okay. That Carolina and Florida will start in Raleigh on Thursday. That means either a quick turnaround for Seattle and Dallas whoever survives there mm-hmm. against Vegas on Wednesday, mm-hmm. or they slide the West final to Friday. Yeah, The people I'm talking to because of the Chirp podcast and all the things that we go to, uh, through to try to get uh, people uh, and guests lined up, what we're hearing is Friday. Okay. 
So it would be Friday, potentially Friday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. It would be the, the weekend dates for me. This is not official. Okay. This is very much up in the air. I don't want everybody running around uh, and declaring this. The start times for the conference finals are usually 8 o'clock Eastern during the week. Okay. That would be 5 o'clock Pacific. Love it. So everything I'm in my sphere of knowledge and what I'm being told <laughs> is a game one, Vegas against whoever, will be Friday at 5 o'clock at T-Mobile. To be confirmed, though. Yeah. Just what I'm hearing. Yeah. I feel uh, an obligation to tell you a little bit about what I'm, what I'm hearing on that. I like it when you tell us what you're hearing. So that's just some behind-the-scenes stuff on that. 5 o'clock starts are, are still weird. No, they're not. During the, the great, week? They're the greatest. That's only because you got to drive after. No, 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 no. It, that's, that has nothing that's only to do because with that. you got to drive. I, I don't. Li- okay. Yesterday was real tough for me because you're waiting around all day. And, and again, granted. Try being I, in Edmonton where I, it was an I, 8 o'clock hey, start. You know what? I, I, I'm fully aware. Like, I only had to wait till 7 o'clock, but I still had to wait till 7 o'clock. Yeah. I want to get up and I want to go. I want to get up and I want to go. I don't like 5 o'clock starts because they interfere with the VGK Insider Show. That's a fair point. Right, Chapman? Yeah, yeah, because if it starts at, well, at 5... You can understand I'm, why I don't mind. Yeah, well, let's, yeah. let's go. <laughs> let's get in touch with my buddy Gary. Batman. Yes. Not Lawless. <clears throat> okay. Well, Lawless got, got either way. Are you going to petition for power. 7 o'clock start time? Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Tell so Gary, Gary B. <laughs> Gary B is now his friend. Yeah. Hey! Yeah. Who does he knock out of the Call 5? It. Yeah. Bill uh, if, if he moves it back to 7 o'clock, mm-hmm. I'll knock somebody out. The entire hockey world was up in arms about a seven o'clock start time, and you're trying to push it all yeah. there. Come I don't on. know why. It's a re- what? Because it Eastern. Because it's yeah. Because the ten o'clock Eastern. Blah blah blah. Uh, here's here's something for you. Lindy Ruff, mm-hmm. finalist for Coach of the Year. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lindy. There's there's no guarantee he's going to be back. Fire, Lindy. So so his contract's done. Yeah. Yeah yeah. He's a Coach of the Year candidate. Right. For the second straight year, a Coach of the Year candidate mm-hmm. may not be back with their team. Hmm. I okay, so like Florida Panthers me, last year, and where does that coach now coach as an Andrew assistant? Burnett was a coach of the the interim coach of the Florida Panthers, mm-hmm. and now he's an assistant coach with the New Jersey Devils with Lindy Ruff. Yeah, it's a it's a nice full circle situation there. Um, I would imagine that if Lindy does not come back. Andrew Burnett is the guy, mm-hmm. but like if you're Lindy Ruff and you saw what that team was able to do this year, you expect that they're going to be able to at least maintain what they did another year. They've got the experience now in the playoffs. I don't know how you don't come back to at least give it another shot. Well, how about if the Devils decide he doesn't come back? Oof. That's more what I was thinking. Yeah, I I don't know that I like that unless you're 100% in that Andrew Brunette's your guy and you can take them to another level. Yeah, you got to be sold on Andrew Brunette. I like him. But I'm just saying. It's, oh, that's it's, it. It's, there it's, we go. Tom Fitzgerald, it's, it's Darren odd. likes him. It's odd. It's very, uh, very strange that you would have that situation at any point. Never mind them back-to-back yeah, yeah. years. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and they, call him, they call him Bruno. Yeah. Could be on the wrong end and then the right end of it. Well. Oh. Again, full circle. 
Austin Matthews says he wants to remain with the Toronto Maple Leafs after uh, his contract expires. He has one year left. Mm -hmm. He's eligible for an extension on July 1st. This was all set up when he signed this that he could walk Mm -hmm. at the conclusion of the contract because it takes him right to unrestricted free agency. And the no-move clause kicks in July 1st as well. Is that... Yeah, I I don't think they trade him... Before that, I think they will work on trying to re-sign him up until the very end. I don't disagree with you at all. The question becomes, if it's clearer that you can't get an extension worked out, or you're not confident that you can get the extension worked out. I don't think that will be known until next year. Oh, that's a big They don't risk. know who the general manager is going to be. Well, I, I His contract is up. Yep. Kyle Dubas, his contract has, uh, is about to expire. I am told through birdies that Kyle wants full autonomy over hockey operations. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have to bounce anything off of Brendan Shanahan, sure. let's say, yeah. the president of hockey operations. Yep. I don't think Brendan's giving that up. Right. So maybe the board in Toronto... Keeps Dubas and moves Shanahan off. Mm-hmm. Maybe they keep Shanahan and Dubas walks. Mm-hmm. But I know from different people, Dubas is planting the seeds that he's going to be gone. Yeah, that that he's going to walk. No, he that that he will not resign there. The comments today seem to indicate that, that and that falls in line with what I've heard. It's. Toronto or nothing. Do, do you get the sense that that's no, no? I wow. think I okay. think he believes that he will be a manager somewhere else next year. Yeah, he's fully confident that he can land a job somewhere else next year. That'll be interesting. The yeah. Leafs are like in the playoffs. He's won one round. Playoffs. I know it's it's wild. And I said this to the person that really <laughs> took me down this path. I said, "He's what's he done?" He's like, "Well, he's, he feels like he's done a really good job. I'm like, he's won one round." Yeah. So anyway. Uh, those are your uh, one-timers uh, for this Monday, uh, May, the uh, on Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Well, hello, Darren. It's been a while. What have you been up to? Uh, I took a trip to the East Coast. I uh, had some stuff to take care of. And what I gathered being on the East Coast is... Mm-hmm. Watching sports on the East Coast really sucks, especially when the teams that you you follow are on the West Coast. The game last night started at 1040. Okay. Or 1020. I'm sorry. 1020. Yeah. And it wasn't on television. I had to flip through to find it. It ended. It was like almost 130 when the game ended. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Yeah. Like, I don't know how anybody, and, and I tweeted about it, and some, a lot of people, believe it or not, there's actually a lot of Golden Knight fans who live on the East Coast, and they were saying how awful it is trying to watch the Golden Knights being on the East Coast. Like, growing up, my teams were all East Coast teams, and I remember, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when the Mets would play on the West Coast and they wouldn't have the score in the newspaper because it went to deadline before, but... As an adult, I never had to deal with that. Did you just check the internet uh, when it wasn't in the paper? I was in high school. No, the the, the internet wasn't there yet. There was no internet. Come on. 
I'm not oh, lying. You're going to the horse. The internet age. You know, so. <laughs> I mean, if dial-up is internet, I suppose. It's better than what I had. I didn't have anything. I had the newspaper. Yeah, hey, I'll get you the score in about seven Dar- and a half Darren minutes. had, had the, uh, the stone tablet with the guy hammering. Nah, the pigeon would come and tell me. <laughs> West Coast, best coast. Yeah, for sports, absolutely. Yep. And tacos. Because the tacos in Florida were not that good. They weren't good? No, no. Did you get any gator? No. I oh. saw a few. Oh, did you? Did you? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, I was on a hunt. I was looking for them. I didn't want to wow. get close, but I wanted to see some. Have you ever seen one before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we went to the Kennedy Space Center, they were all over the place. I was a kid. Like the launch pad? No, no. Like on the drive there. Oh. Yeah. Because that would be weird. Moseying along. They're going to get fried on the launch pad. 